welcome to another episode of Music in the Kitchen. Music in the Kitchen. I'm your host, Dylan St. Obey. And I'm your other host, uh, Adam Landa. And you want to provide the drum roll this time, Adam? You know, my absolute honor. So uh, I'm here with a creative, a real like-minded individual for myself, uh, someone doing some really cool stuff out here. A select few, Sing Studio, one and only Money Sing. What's up, guys? We got the squad here. We got the whole squad. Time, squad. Money does not show up solo. Money shows up with his entourage, and these boys are going to be hanging <laughs> with us for a bit. All of them representing a select few. Hello. That's uh, Hayden Sing, Sing Studios. Hello. What's and your name? Uh, Arnie Sandu. <laughs> All right. And uh, last but not least. Hey, I'm Gary Sandu from Sing Studios as well. Great. Okay. Money. We have this one question that is our icebreaker right mm-hmm. off the bat. You're cooking in your kitchen, but what are you listening to while you're cooking? Most likely selection. I feel like just, you know, kind of vibey music. Like cooking to me is like where I kind of unwind. I don't want to be stressing anything. Don't want to look at my phone. Just want to. You know, burn one and then just cook. Yeah. yeah. What do you cook? I don't. I don't know about you and food. It doesn't come up with all with your branding. Yeah. You know what? Actually, we're doing a collaboration right now with uh, Tasty's Indian Bistro, which is right. like something. It just kind of organically happened. Um, so you're actually going to see a collab with a restaurant, essentially. Um, what do I like to cook? I can't cook Indian food because, to be honest, it's complicated, and I leave that to the pros. Yeah. You know, but uh, I I love doing like street style food bodegas and chopped cheese like i'll make my own version of a chopped cheese and then i'll just like i love cooking for my friends i got family too. fat off those sandwiches but they're good for hangover cure and that's where i feel like i shine like hangover food is fun but lately i haven't been cooking that much to be honest it's been like meal prep we're really in like focus mode so ain't no time sure. for a fucking meal <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah no, there's, uh, there's, on the go there's business to do uh so We've done our a bit of research. We went deep. We know tons now, but uh, no, no going back for me. Damn y'all with the feds. As long as you don't start using my Govy name, we're good. June 2018, you just got promoted to a development engineer at Dynamic Attractions. You're working engineering on theme park rides. Six months later, you're on a trip to India. You're feeling disconnected from your cultural identity, and then you come back and you quit engineering before the year's out, and you start a clothing brand. What were you thinking? Damn, you guys really did your research. Oh, you don't even fucking know. We go way deeper. <laughs> At the time, I think I, I really enjoyed working for a firm that allowed me to travel and really get to see varying cultures. Like I got to live in Hong Kong, Japan, China. But it wasn't my ancestry. But I really I love every culture. That alone, as as strenuous as an engineering career was like i got to perks of going to see the cities and the places i traveled and the theme parks we built but um you know in terms of my creativity i felt like i wasn't really expressing myself so much as like playing this mechanism it felt like i didn't really have much addition to things you know and so i was actually as i was still in engineering i was, I was studying fashion dabbling where i could you know opportunity came to go to india you know, I just really wanted to get in tune with that internal voice that I felt like I disconnected from. Because at that time, I was financially, I was doing well. So I was just a huge consumer. Felt like I was trying to fill that void buying cool shit. Right. But it helped me learn a lot about products and design. One of the things that fascinates us about your story, Money, is is this trip to India. One of the things, of course, that makes it even more dramatic is, that, is the fact that you did basically close the book on what you were doing 
uh, professionally before leaving. Uh, I think Adam had a question about the trip specifically. I, I hate that I actually had this question uh, now in hindsight. This is so trivial, but did you pay for the ticket? I did not. I did fucking not. knew it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, who's, I couldn't say no to a free trip to India with, with my dad. Okay, I'm really glad I asked that question. Was there like a goal coming there? I just had this like internal feeling. I was trying to convince my brothers to go too because I'd gone as an infant, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, and I remember feeling so free. So I kind of just knew that I needed to do it. Yeah. And uh, and luckily my dad had like a close friend from the village he grew up in, son getting married. And so he was going to go support and I got to come along. Indian weddings are fucking amazing. Uh, are they amazing over there too or is it done differently here? Bro, I'll tell you, like, it's on a whole other vibe over there. Because here, it's like, it just looks unnatural. People come up, pull up in a horse or something like that. And it's like, you're in the suburban area, yeah, you know, or you're in the cityscape. You know, it just doesn't make sense. But out there, the whole village turns out. And uh, they got, like, marching bands rolling. It's like a festival. And everyone's there. And it's less about, you know, flexing as it is about, like, just having a really good time. It's, is it, like, more... Th- the scenery matches the theatrics? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, you really can get into it. You know, with a select few, uh, how was quitting your day job and starting a clothing brand financially feasible? It really, it really wasn't. And it's still, I mean, it's like at the end of the day, it's one of those things that you're you're not doing it because you're like, this is my ticket to riches or whatever the term is. Like I felt this internal voice. This is just, I felt like what I needed to do. Yeah. Um, in terms of like, I, it required strategy beyond the initial feeling. Like it was years in the making, to be honest. Uh, the years in the making before you went to India? Like you had- In I- terms of like, I was studying clothes for years. Okay, you know, is- I, I was studying like garment construction and fashion for years as I was still in an engineering career. Um, but I didn't, really know what to do with it. I just was fascinated by it. What got you started in that? How far back do you go? I've always been into clothes. Like I actually was telling my friend about this really funny story where, so we grew up like really modest, like my family got well established over the years, but we didn't have the luxuries of like designer or, or even name brand for that matter. But I remember, so my mom, she, she was like, you know, she's a Renaissance woman, so she could like cook. So whatever you name, like she could do it. So I was always really inspired by that. But just long story short, I I really, I was super into Nike. And uh, I had these old beat up trainers that had like a Nike gel sign on it. I just had this like compelling feeling to get an X-Acto knife and I cut it off. Like I just like took the threads off. And then I had this camel bucket hat that we got at like a surplus army store mm-hmm. it was like really stiff so it kind of had this like worn in look and then i stitched in the nike gel sign and i wore that shit and people lost their mind do you still have that hat i don't know maybe it was like my first design i, I do remember that like clothing wise there's only one in the world that exists and it might not even exist anymore. <laughs> it's probably in my parents' basement somewhere. Continuing on, talking about a select few, uh, kind of a, a, a two-stage question here. Collection one. So my pronunciation as a half-white dude, I'd look at that and say pool party. Right. Basically. For sure. Uh, so you pronunciation, pool party or? Phonetically, I mean, it's uh, pool party. We were Which, so off. We were so yeah, off. Yeah. Man. You know what, though? Like, I was, you just call it truck art. It's totally fine. That's gotcha. literally what it translates. To. Well, not literally what it translates. It translates to, pool means like flower. 
Fatih is like wood. So like it's like floral prints on like kind of because the old transport vehicles, they had like kind of wood exteriors. Yeah. Gotcha. But it turned into like, you know, what it's known as is truck art. You know, reading about that, in a way, we have truck art here in Vancouver, but it's called vandalism. Tagging graffiti. That's what you mean, right? Yes. I yeah. mean, in terms of like tagging graffiti, unsolicited vandalism art, artwork. You know, when we talk about that, when we talk about how the Collection One was based around the artistic expression of truck art, consider what, what we see as truck art in our daily lives here in Canada. We see people tagging trucks that get left in alleyways. Like, true. what distinguishes between vandalism and art? If the owner of the vehicle is voluntarily wanting to paint his truck or graffiti his truck, then I believe it's truck art. If it's not on the owner and someone just came and tagged their like vehicle, then Over it could still go. be art, but I would say right. it's more like also vandalism. So I don't think vandalism like that is really prominent in India. Like you don't really have street graffiti, people tagging everything. That's not as common. I didn't see it on my visit, but really what that, what like the focal point of that first collection was like years of frustration where I would see a lot of cool brands bite Indian culture, like really uh, use Indian garment making methods and they would never communicate that it was made in India. I could tell because I was studying it. St. Laurent, for example, in like the last two, three years, they've been doing a lot of manufacturing there, Hermes, Chanel. But these companies, they don't really express any sort of made in India pride. They, it always says like made in Paris or made in Europe or whatever. For me, it was like, okay, how can I bring that pride in made in India? Because as someone of South Asian descent, you know, people identify like yoga, Karma Sutra. I don't know. These like you know, identity stereotypes. And for me, I was like, okay, what can we bring that's like hasn't seen much light in North America or the Western or the literally across the globe, you yeah. know? And I thought this artwork was like beautiful and I, I really, it spoke to me. Um, and I felt like it, it resonated in a sense where like you have, you know, poetic phrases, warding away bad omens, stuff like that. Like it wasn't, it was deeper than just like art. Like I felt like it was philosophical because that's the other thing is like this art form um, is not, is starting to see a little bit of a resurgence in, in recent years, but it was basically a dying art, Yeah, you know? You know, I actually didn't make the connection to like, I thought that was a really cool question though. Like the graffiti on the trucks on the streets, like that's, I, I see mean, it every day. Yeah, that's yeah. really cool, man. I never thought about it like that. My shop is covered in graffiti. The alleyway where his shop is located is, is just a huge art installation. Because I'm next to a parking lot on this, on the parking lot walls, you know, they actually do have beautiful graffiti, street art, I guess you could call it. Uh, I get graffiti on my door. I get, I get the alternative to that. Uh, it's actually why we don't have signage right now. I think eventually what I'd like to do is just bomb a huge sign on the top of that like parking lot that says dad's printing. That would be fire. Would it would be fire. Uh, it might also make my landlord fiery. Uh, yeah. So I have to figure that out one of these days. I kind of like having like a shop that you have to kind of know about. But then again, like memorable signage in Vancouver really stands out for some people like that. You know, Dresso? Yeah. People know it just for the sign. There's a lot of like signs that just. I know. mean. I don't know. I kind of like how yours is in like a back alley. Like it's like kind of like a secret location. And I, I mean, I use your services. Like I yeah. print stuff at your shop. So it's like, oh, yeah. I like that it's kind of hidden. I, I mean, I, I do too. I just actually, uh, while well, she's saying really fucking cool, uh, that I, my family, uh, about 70 years ago, they had a shop on Granville and, uh, Cordova right by the waterfront station called Lando Furs. 
and they were one of the big fur shops in, in, in the city. And I found this picture just in the Vancouver archives. It hasn't been there for years. It's probably gonna be a fucking we work next week or something. Yeah. So this is my grandfather's uh, my grandfather's shop, uh, way the fuck back. That's yeah. the Queen and uh, for, for, for our listeners who don't have a visual aid, yo, uh, there's crazy. a photo of uh, Lando Furs with uh, Queen Elizabeth herself, as well as I think that's Prince Philip. Yeah, driving by. Driving by. That's pretty. That's pretty iconic. We just talked about Collection One. It's collection Two. We see that it's going to be coming out 2022. From the sounds of it, no information past that. Are so, we on pace? To preface it, Adam Adam worked with you on Collection One, is my understanding. My business has grown a lot since then. I think everyone in this room probably has. But yeah, Collection One, I definitely had a pretty big involvement with. I remember fielding Money's Call in Montreal, actually, when I was living out there. He called me. Uh, I gave him the distributor pricing. He won me over with the distributor pricing. I mean, he had good quality, but I'm not going to lie. Like, <laughs> one thing I learned in the engineering world is like, make sure you get multiple quotes gotcha. and uh, you know multiple vendors at all times, because you never know. You never know. Right? But... For one, his company was called Pyrex Vision or something. I think. So. Pyrex. Oh man, that's what? a well. That that actually, if I haven't told you about that, you'll I'll blow your fucking mind with it. Uh, but go on. So I was like, oh, okay. He's a Virgil fan, underground street brand, and it was called Pyrex Vision. And uh, yeah, I was still, you know, I was still pretty discouraged by garment design still. So yeah. I was looking at like, okay, I was like, what can I do to start up? Like in the grand scheme, because I'm not trying to do this just to dabble like i was like this is where i want to dedicate my life so i was like okay what can i what can i do that's unique so we stuck with like really high quality stuff actually the first collection was using the same manufacturers as yeezy season three so it was like really yeah 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 no yeah. shit yeah and that's uh, why they had started strong <laughs> yeah yeah so i was i finessed my way to get that manufacturer and then wow. working and I was like, okay, like, how do I bring Indian identity? And I was really, you know, I thought natural dyes are really cool because I, I saw a lot of that when I was in India. So trying to figure out a way where we could utilize natural dyes and make that part of the narrative really hard to scale up, to be honest, but cool nonetheless. And then, yeah, the uniqueness of, on top of that was like finding a really sick print shop that made sure that like the quality was, you know, it was, it was out there and Adam, Adam had the shot for it. So yeah, that kind of how, how it came to be. I, I was like a lot smaller as a company too. I had an employee named Marcus who uh, was kind of running things back for me once upon a time. Uh, Marcus is uh, now just full-time DJing, by the way. I, I don't think he wants anything to do with me. Marcus, if you hear this, I'd love to connect sometime, have a coffee. Uh, it's, it's hard to like work for someone and then have not a, the best exit and then like be friends after that. I, I get that. Yeah, man, it's challenging to work with friends a lot of times, but yeah. you got, you know, creating boundaries is super important. Totally. Like, I think that's one of the things I've learned over the last few years. It's hard to turn down free service at first because, mm -hmm. you, you know. What do you mean by free service? Well, like we were all just collaborating. I wasn't like working with my friends and it was like, yo, like, okay, I'm on the clock. So yeah. it was like, we were all kind of just, where we're like, okay, like let's make a dope brand yeah. and figure out how we can like make it bigger every time we do something. So was any part of that first collection creative process wise, like the, the garmentry, the actual graphics themselves? I know you, you illustrated the graphics, right? So what I did was I studied truck art, the, the artistry behind it, yeah. reinterpreted it to tell my own like perspective. You know, it was a combination of like the birds, for example, they're very uh, common. You'll see them 
on all sorts of trucks and there's certain design you'll see like across certain areas like Gujarati like style artwork is like you'll see the ones that we did are similar to that in combination like you know a lot of the poetic phrases were kind of rooted from my childhood watching Bollywood films and it was also on like a weird meta way I felt like it was a, like for example like the love cost it translates to Bianca Gudj you know I felt like transitioning from an engineer who was financially stable and felt like I finally was at a pretty good place from like an outside perspective. Love costs. Um, yeah. And then I had to kind of make sacrifices to really make this happen. And yeah, it had some costs. The transition from consuming to creating at yeah. that point. Yes, sir. I just want to say for the record, I have printed for over 5,000 companies. I've counted this recently. It's a big number. Money's prints. I mean, I see a lot of people like, when I say it's 5,000, that's not only clothing brands. It's like people who like, for instance, uh, tell us they don't want to make merch they want to have branding but people come to me saying yo i'm going to start a clothing line it's going to be sick and you know it's most of the time in my head i'm like no it's not but i'm happy to print your stuff his hoodies are like the coolest most interesting prints like people will just go for like one color because they want to cheap out and go with the screen print because direct to garment costs too much he didn't mess around and if 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 you're Growing from collection one to collection two, then it's exciting. Uh, what's taken you like as long as it has though? To often you want to kind of take advantage of the momentum you have. I do feel like it took a little time with it. For sure, man, and that was very intentional, and it still is intentional. I think I, so. For me, it's like, yeah, in terms of like why it was, uh, you know, why we're taking our time with it. I believe in slow fashion. A lot of the design philosophies and our belief system and our mission is to not overconsume, make things that are going to be lasting and have a positive impact. Also, you know, it's not easy for me because I'm not traditionally trained in fashion or business. So these are things I'm learning along the way. And also I I want I don't want to put out stuff that I don't really love. So right now like we're working with like clothes 3D, we're working with like, you know, technical right. fabrics. Clothes 3D. It's a 3D software for like designing clothing. Oh, like renderings. Renderings, yes, yeah. Okay. Like, but it allows you to design for like ergonomics and just like uh, really, it's a more sophisticated way of dialing in a design and oh. not just cost effective, but it's also very like it's a you're, you're you're not wasting anything, right? You're not wasting anything. Meaning, like you know, we create samples. Like, you know, designers they'll make many designs and the ones that actually make it a production we have everything kind of dialed in on the 3d rendering and by the time we're like okay let's make this sample uh we know that we're pretty confident that we're going to move forward with it to nail down one design how many samples do you think you go through typically you're looking at your first proto second proto then you're by the time you make your third piece you're working with production to fine tune and then you'll have your sales sample so you're making four typically like four revisions has that number gone down from using 3D software, though? Well, I mean, we're still new, so like it's something we're working on, uh, I, with hopes to just do more like sophisticated designs and feel confident by the time we actually make it. Like it's not like a total dud. Like if it's an idea in my head, and then we're we're making it, and then we're like, oh, this is terrible. Yeah. Like now I can actually see it, and the whole team could be like, okay, this is terrible. Let's right. let's let's move on. You know. <laughs> so it's like that. Couldn't help but think of this. Uh, I think it was. For some reason, I was watching a Young Thug interview. Shout out to Thugga. Uh, one of the things he said on that interview was, I, 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 he has 40 unreleased songs with Kanye West. I believe it. I believe it. That's wild to me. Because he's super talented. So he probably, I mean, he's, he's like, I don't know. He's 40 songs with Kanye. How do you not drop that just like out of fucking like getting fucked up one night and being like, I'm doing it? 
yeah, it's crazy. But like, you know, at the end of the day, I respect that, you know, it's not about like just putting stuff out to get yeah. clout. They're like, you know what? The creative vision of Kanye and Daga, like if they wanted to put it out, they would put it out. But like, this is, I'm like the type of person that I don't want to hear unreleased stuff. If the artist didn't put it out, like I want to hear it through his lens. Like if he thinks it's like yeah. the quality is there, then I want to consume it. But at the same time, I don't want to like, like it'd be like someone going through my, my stuff and like grabbing it and posting it up, which is actually something like that did happen at one point. But yeah, I think it's like, let, let them take their time. And when they want to put it out, put it out. I think everyone who says they're not into overconsumption, it's not up to them. I think you got to ask someone who's, and no offense, <laughs> but like, it's not up to me if I have a lot of clothes. Yeah. Because like, in, in my mind, I have the perfect amount. Overconsumption is a subjective concept. You, totally. So if I were to look at your wardrobe, you, you I'm said, one of those guys who subscribes to the idea that I need five to 10 outfits and then that's all I really need. Like if these are good outfits, just wash them every week and you know cycle through them clothing isn't it's a statement but i'm not going too creative on it so that would that would be by my metric of consumption i would probably look at your wardrobe considering how many things you have Jesus and Christ. i would say man you don't need this much you don't no. need all of those jackets it's true i got a thing for jackets i had a rule i tried to make about two years ago where uh for every one thing i bought i'd get rid of two i broke that rule after three months yeah. there's no hope yeah, I mean, I feel like if you, it's nothing wrong with having stuff that you actually enjoy. If you're wearing it, you know, that's cool. Like for me, like I have lots of jackets too. And yeah. I, but I, I keep them because I kind of, I like archiving. And also I like, <laughs> I, I like archiving designer pieces. Archiving. And I also like referencing them for like future collections. Right? So from an outside perspective, your archive could look like a hoard. I was going to say, it. <laughs> it's, I'm kind of OCD. You. So if you look at my closet, it's like color coordinated and dialed in. So. Gotcha. It's a lot of stuff, but it's sorted. It is an archive then. It's a yeah. library. It's a library. Yeah. yeah. But, but I, but I was thinking what you said. Yeah. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> a... We're going to, we're going to move into some questions about Sing Studios. The Sing Studios uh, is a joint venture between the Sing brothers. That would be Money and Hayden. We've got a few questions to ask them about Sing Studios. I'd like to bring Hayden on for this segment. Uh, so so uh, you, do, you do event design through Sing Studios. What kind of events would you want to put out there that you do? So we've done like stage design. We've done like uh, pop-ups, designed like, storefronts. We've just incorporated this year. And I, me and Hayden collaborated to build this platform. A lot of gigs that we had were even previous to Sing Studio existing. Yeah. Uh, no, okay, fair enough. So, I mean, we actually we went on your site. We were just kind of wanting to get touched up on it. Uh, you guys cover a lot of different services. That's why I asked that question. Do you ever wonder if you're weakening the current services by spreading yourself out so wide? So, for me, it was really important to create an infrastructure for yeah. multidisciplinary creatives. And so, it's not like solely me and Hayden are taking on every project. We have a team, yeah. a really talented team. Let's just say you had like maybe three things you had you could do. You couldn't do more. Like, what do you think those three would be? You, as an agency, like, if you narrowed it down to three things that you were just three different offerings. Offerings. Ah, I, I'll let Hayden take this. Yeah. The three services we would do would be design. You know, any type of design, it kind of goes into a larger field. So we do have a, a pretty talented team. We also have our, our social media manager, Arnie, and our digital marketing manager, Gary, here. They're just two Sort of, of a cheat code of an answer, though, because <laughs> design's like a shitload of stuff. That's what it is. We do everything. We're a new company, and right now, yeah. we're just 
trying to take on as much business that we believe would be long-term value. I mean, at the end of the day, we built Sing Studios not to be in a box. Can't put us in a box. So when it comes to design services, if we're interested and it's a cool opportunity, we'll make it happen. I, I, we were wondering, actually, by the way, on the site, do you have all those terms listed out uh, to hit on different SEO terms? Let our digital marketing manager answer that. <laughs> for those of us who you know might be unfamiliar with these acronyms, SEO stands for Search Engine Optimization. That's correct. All right, so, take it away, man. With the keywords there, it's more of like we're, again, as I mentioned, we're trying to widen our variety since we do have a pretty large team. So we do have a bunch of people. All those services are something we offer in-house, but in terms of SEO, if it hits the SEO and someone's searching out for digital marketing, we come up. Can't complain about that, right? Exactly. You know, it's just maximizing visibility at that point. Yeah, for are, sure. are any of those terms like that are represented on the website underrepresented in actuality, but they're specifically to hit on SEO searches? No. So first, before we even thought about SEO was we made a list of all the services we offered, offered in the past and have the potential to offer with the based off the team that we have. Gotcha. And so based off that list, and then we moved on to SEO. SEO was the second thought after the services that we actually offered. Okay, I think that largely answers that question. But uh, back on to what we were saying in terms of the three disciplines that you'd be focusing on. We just hit on design. Design would definitely be number one because this company is built off design. I would say advertising, marketing, you yeah. know, everything in life, if you're in... If you host a podcast show, you're actually in the marketing business. You're growing your business. Everything in life has to do with marketing. The marketing, yeah, it's advertising. Mar marketing, advertising, those can kind of go together. So design, marketing, advertising. And the third I would say would be development of products. So whether it be a hoodie or whether it be a stage. Gotcha. So when, we, when you're talking about design services in general, we kind of look at that more like, graphical or like branding and, and, and you know website development that's all kind of in the design side gotcha. whereas product development we're talking about building a product from scratch which involves manufacturing and supply chain and all these other variety of factors on the back end what what's smart about both providing the agency as well as the internal client hard to have testimonials when you've never had a client so when you start out with a testimonial, it gives you a little bit of credibility out the gate. You get your first testimonial because technically you have your first client. And it can tell you're a young agency because on your site, in my opinion, there's too much to select few, but that's your first client. So I get it now. But you're going to probably want to change that eventually. So like after, you know, redesign, rebrand, you redid your site, it looks great. Everything's ready to go. What's, what's, uh, what's next? So we're really looking at scaling, not just just on a local basis we're, we're you know and i don't know if we mentioned this but sing studio the initiative I, I worked as a creative director for this other agency and i started recognizing that uh certain minority clients were being sent to my my wing or what have you and so i started realizing that there was a little bit of snobbery going on when it came to like certain clientele that maybe had a successful business but they didn't have the demeanor or the look that their their these agencies were typically used to seeing from their clients. So I just recognize that like, you know, we could really help a lot of minorities that are being overlooked by these, these agencies. And I'm not, sh you know, no shots fired at anyone in specific, but it was more so just like I saw a purpose there. And so as long as we continue to help minority owned businesses, uh, help uh, reach a commercial viability 
and, and continue to s- stay strong. Like, I think that's really the m- overall mission. You found a hole in the market. That makes sense. Yeah. Actually, was, I was, I was saying, one thing I wanted to say about your clothing earlier, you're talking about how things like, say, like Hermes Paris and stuff, you say Laurent Paris, uh, Spain, whatever. I, I've seen, obviously, uh, Korea and China. Tons of things are made there. Most of the socks in the world are actually made in Korea. But do you ever feel like maybe you'll get to this point where Hermes India actually is like the brand? Bro, that's the vibe. That's what we're trying to get to. So yeah. like, even like right now, we have teammates in India. The goal is to even have an agency over there in the UK, you know, wherever we feel is necessary. Cause now we don't necessarily, we're not bound to one space, right? Yeah. Uh, we work remotely. We have tools that help us really work effectively in terms of like the Hermes India thing. We want to change the stigma of what it means to be made in India being not just appropriated, but the stories being told on why these things exist. Yeah. And if we can have that voice within fashion, within pop culture, like I feel like that's really the mission with A Select View. First off, provide a bit of exposition in terms of when we talk in Hermes. Very high fashion brand. Uh, they have a bag called the Birkin bag. So what they do is oftentimes they'll have in the supply chain, a manufacturing process made in India, which is like typically a hand embroidery or embellishment working with leathers. A lot of handwork stuff is trained from generation to generation in India. You can't really get it anywhere else. So what happens with these major fashion houses is that they'll have part of it made in India or a majority of it even sometimes. And then they'll have the final labeling in, in Paris. Marketing thing, obviously Apple phones on the box. It says assembled in Cupertino, California which is not where Apple's factories are, but it is where the final assembly, possibly just the boxing happens in the end. So the, the location of manufacture is itself a prestige point. Yeah, and I'm sure somewhere in their fi- fine paperwork, Apple's made it so the governments have to agree to let them write Cupertino somehow. It's, you know, it's what it is, but I'm saying, like, obviously, culture shifts happen too over time, and they're methodical, but, like, you know, 50 years from now, I, I don't think 50 years from now, Paris is going to be in great shape, personally. <sighs> Certainly not as much growth as there is in India. It's insane. Uh, they had the biggest election ever. Modi, that election, I think, yeah, it was the biggest ever. It's the youngest country on the planet, so you're going to see a lot of change. And it's in the numbers, you know, there's just so large, the sheer number of people there yeah. that, you know, and, and being the youngest country on the planet, um, you can, you're going to see a lot of change in the next 20 years. And I think, like, I'm banking on it. And I, I, I think we're looking to continue to bridge that east-west dichotomy for, like, really to develop a global mindset. 100,000 people get out of poverty every day in India. They cross the poverty line. 100,000 people a day. That's Canada in one year. They are saying goodbye poverty. I am now in the middle class. Uh, 100,000 people a day. What generates that change? I would imagine from what I know about India, they were severely lacking an infrastructure for a while. A really modern banking system was Correct. being lacked. Uh, it's a ver- It was a very r- different country. And I mean, it's definitely westernizing, modernizing. So yeah, I mean, just kind of c- catching up, but like it's substantial. Just an idea for Sing Studio. Uh, you're an agency, so you don't necessarily need to be doing everything in-house that you do. That could also apply to your sales process. Do you know anyone in Toronto? Most definitely. I mean, Hayden's actually from, like, he's spent uh, more time in Toronto than he has in Vancouver. Do you have any, like, if like let's say you needed a salesperson, someone to, like, rep the brand out there, get you clients. That's all you would need to actually have a presence in Toronto. Because mm-hmm. there's nothing localized about Sync Studios as of right now. It's like Dad's Printing is not like Van City Dad's Printing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. One of the things we did to grow as a company was we did SEO terms. We, like, if you look up like T-shirt printing, any like small city in Canada, screen printing Brampton. Mm-hmm. So often, like customers being like, "You guys aren't in Brampton, are you?" Mm-hmm. I'm like, "No, but 
How can we help? It's like we're not tied down where we're not buying real estate. For example, we use a shared space co uh, called Spaces. And so they have multiple uh, locations and it makes it a lot more accessible for having client meetings in different neighboring areas or even globally. Cool. I mean, I just, but I always trying to really say is like, you don't have to invest in like rent or like a yeah. building to like hit a different city. No, like 100%. you could, you could like, do that. You could be, you could have already been doing that. We, uh, we kind of are like, we, we only pay for what we use. Right. Adam actually came to our office. So, you know, we've making changes since we've actually, since we had you by last time too. So sure. Yeah. Fucking nice. I mean, it was a great office. It, it, it looked like, I mean, if it's better now, great, but it, it definitely wasn't a drawback. <laughs> yeah, but I almost like thinking you need that to sell is like almost like the wrong idea, though. No, that's not what. So to to me, like again, the office is a tool for us. Yeah. Um, it's not necessarily like that's the deal, the make or breaker for our clients or yeah. us. Like it's kind of like the space we're in right gathering now, gathering spot. Yeah, like it becomes uh somewhere we could all kind of have the same mission and not have dist distractions from the outside world. Right? Totally. Coffee shop is not going to do the same effect for the whole team. Yeah, no, cool. Uh, Toronto is a good market. Vancouver's small. There's only 600,000 people that live in Vancouver in the actual city itself. So, like, the streets are dead. Streets are dead. And it's, yeah. there's nothing happening here. Music yeah. in the Kitchen is based in we're Vancouver, in the, BC. <laughs> we're in the <laughs> East Vancouver. And we're happening, aren't we? Yeah. Yeah, our kitchen's cool. Yeah, straight. And we're here oh, talking about, <laughs> we're here talking about local flavor, local business, the local things that are happening right now. But fair point. Okay. Uh, speaking <laughs> about things that are happening. And this is going to be a quick question for you here, Money. Yes. Uh, it's that time again. Tell us about Swag Saturday. Oh, God. What the hell? How did you guys find out about Swag Saturday? We went back 10 years on your Facebook. Oh, you guys. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> Facebook. I thought I deleted that shit. What, what the hell is Swag Saturday? And why were you promoting it? <laughs> oh, my God. So, <laughs> this is really embarrassing. But, like, of course it is. Uh, basically, my two friends, Alex and Ivan... We were we were just like, oh, what can we do that's like feels productive when we hang out? And since we were all from different ethnicities, I guess we were like, hey, what do we call this? The Multicultural Wrecking Crew. I think Ivan kind of came up with that. I don't know. He started this blog page called Multicultural Wrecking Crew. And then we kind of just were like, all right, sure. Why not? Um, and so then, you know, I always had the sauce. I always had like nice gear. So he's like, yo, what if you have this segment or this like, post once a week where you do swag saturdays and uh and you're basically like you're just out and about and it was also an opportunity for us to socialize and connect with people you really you know yeah. and so you know we basically just interview a person and ask them like you know what what their you know what their style means to them and what what the significance of the pieces they're wearing and yeah, yeah and that sort of thing yeah it's, it's, it's interesting how something that looks so cringy went 10 years later can actually have such an interesting story behind it. Yeah, well, that's that's <laughs> the thing. Like we researched, we've got a lot of nice photos of you in in some nice suits and looking pretty swag, oh, sunglasses. Yeah, it's all there. Still. I wouldn't be ashamed of any of those photos. There are stories in the past. I think we're conditioned in a way to be like, oh fuck, what did I say ten years ago? So but, happy I can't buy my Nexopia. Money. You are about halfway between where you started in fashion and business engineering. Are you doing what you are currently doing as a compromise because fashion itself isn't currently sustainable? Or are you settling into this all-encompassing area where you pull from both aspects of your professional history? 
I think this the later everything kind of ties in um, when we're working with clients coming up with creative ideas that you know our clients are really excited about but they need like a little bit of assistance it helps uh, trains that side of my brain and I, again it just seeps into the, the the clothing and the fashion and the cultural elements that we bring in bringing two worlds that I'm really passionate about one is like uh, community service it feels kind of like you know where we're helping our community in a way where that's cool yeah and then then the other side is like okay how can the world see us in a way where we make a positive impact of our community and showcase it in a way where it hasn't been shown before it it is really it is a really cool look appreciate you man yeah i appreciate it too uh speaking of uh appreciation um you probably are going to receive a lot of it from wardrobe pyros for hans larock uh your what was it? How do, you, how do I say it? Is it? You said it right, yeah, Hans Larock. Hans Larock. Uh, so uh, is it is it also considered Bollywood? So it technically is Bollywood, which is like Punjabi Bollywood. Um, but that, like one of the producers was like, hey, by the way, it's actually Bollywood because the Punjabi community in India, it's like a smaller community. Uh, but that being said, the success of the film, it, it definitely is it's, it's in Bollywood. Punjab is part of India. Um, for those who don't know, like, you know, we are actually a minority group in India, Punjabis. A lot of our family members, our parents, our grandparents, they left India. They left from genocide, essentially. Uh, I don't know how to lightly put that. So it was like... It's not a light thing at all. Yeah, it's not. Uh, but representation here is much... Like, I feel like as a community, now we've gotten stronger. Now there's that relationship back home. And it's really changed the dynamic because we have a much larger voice than we did where we were suppressed for decades, essentially. Wow. So Hans Larock. <laughs> no, I, I'm, I'm still, I'm still grasping, I'm still grasping Bollywood. Like the, yeah. the, the very term of it is something that has, for me, it's, it's, it's been absorbed in Bollywood almost to the point where you know I, I didn't realize it was its itself a separate entity at that point. The distinction there, the fact that it exists, the fact that Hans Larock represents Bollywood in this respect is a product of it. Would you agree with that? It is a product of. Hollywood represented on a larger scale. One thousand percent, because the film is in Punjabi. Yeah, interesting. I wouldn't have. I would have never known that if I didn't. If we didn't ask. Yeah, and if I if I can d- double up on that too, like uh, for Hollywood, the term becoming that being a new term. Like I I work in film and television. This is first exposure to the term Hollywood for me. Is this objectively speaking the biggest hit Hollywood has ever had on an international scale? I believe so. Hell of a hell of a debut! Uh, congratulations! Thank you. Uh, man. It's like fucking debuting at number one. That's nuts. Uh, did you? How, how did how did you come upon the whole uh, the whole experience? Like, wh- why why you? Honestly, I this opportunity kind of presented itself to the team, and uh, you know I didn't really know what to make of it, so we just took the meeting, and I guess it was a, kind of like an interview type vibe. It's actually, it's a funny story, like. Diljit, the the lead the lead actor and musician. Diljit Dosanjh. That's right. Yeah. yeah. So he, I had never met him before, but I kind of felt like I was like, oh, if someone gets this brand, it because he has amazing style. I always thought, you know, and he represents our community so well that you know, to me, I was like, and there was kind of like this talk of a film being made in Vancouver, and they're trying to find a stylist to a wardrobe. They need a wardrobe department. But after meeting with him at their hotel and their team. Like, I think it was like, a, yeah, it was like two interviews, essentially. And uh, and then from there, like, we connected really well. And, and I felt like they really embraced us. And we were, like, quite different because a majority of the film crew and cast was India born and bred. And so, you know, we're, like, kind of 
you know, and the fact that they embraced us and let us kind of take charge and, and really trusted us for our first film like this, it was a cool opportunity. Did they have any pre-established knowledge of you, of a select few? So yeah, Instagram is super important, guys. That's how that's your that becomes your kind of your uh, resume. And they they were like, whoa. Yeah, I I was at a industry mixer with a lot of a lot of people, actors, directors, producers, and I'd sworn off social media for about two months as a way of focusing in on my work. Uh, and I go in, and within like five minutes, everyone's asking like if I'm connecting with people. They're like what's your Instagram? And I'm like, oh, fuck, I've deactivated it. I'm like, I thought I could just get it by with business cards. And these guys are saying to me, no, man, Instagram is the business card. This is what our generation uses in that form. Currently, I'm back in on it. And I I do agree. This guy likes everything too. It's annoying. Like everything I post, you like, and like even like sad things. Like it's- I'm here to support you like a girlfriend. I, I like all of your posts, but uh, <laughs> Instagram's important. Tell us why. Yeah, I mean, it becomes, again, like a, a, a vessel or a platform for you to express yourself and your aesthetic and your eye, your, your design language, um, you know, in your perspective, really. And so, uh, I mean, it's still very personal to me, but it's like now I, it's kind of also a way for me to like basically document my process and the offerings I can bring to any sort of creative project. And so, yeah, it's, it's sort of like I went from LinkedIn to Instagram. Yeah. <laughs> And in a curated aesthetic way, a visual portfolio. Is that how you ended up on Vogue India? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, someone in uh, that worked over at Vogue India, like again, I, I'm not, I wasn't that familiar with the fashion world and the business side and how to like network because I kind of consider ourselves an outsider, really. Um, but someone was cool enough on their team that reached out and was like really resonated with the brand, and uh, and then uh, it just came to be that they were like, yeah. For me, what I'm trying to, what I'm really trying to grasp here for myself is your careful use of it. The branding that you've done through Instagram has landed you a costumer role on a huge Hollywood film, as well as a mention in the Indian iteration of Vogue magazine. Not to mention something that he he might not even remember. He told me, uh, you know, you're doing something right when WGSN is referencing you for their styles. Yeah, that's that's. <laughs> Yeah, so WGSN, for anyone who doesn't know, it's fashion forecasting. Basically, they'll try to predict trends two and a half years out. You pay five figures at least to get a membership to it just to see where the future is, like what, what you should be doing in your R&D and your development down the line. And uh, you were, were you not uh, referenced in there? It's crazy. Like, I feel, you know, you get these signs, uh, you know, in your life. I, I, I mean... You may not always see them, but for me, I've been fortunate enough that I was mindful of seeing these. Like, this is a perfect example where I was like really just interested in fabrics and and I was creating, but I didn't know what I was creating. And then I was at this, uh, yeah, this was like a pretty bougie fabric shop, and I was like, yeah, I'm working on this cool design that I thought is really dope. And then the girl that worked there was like, oh my god, that's so crazy! I seen your design on WGSN trend forecasting for 2020. Yeah. And this is, keep in mind, this is like 2018. And and so it gave me a little bit more confidence to yeah. be like, you know what, maybe I'm on the right path. And like, funny enough, like also, like when I went on this trip to India, right? Yeah. Um, I didn't really have like that much planned out other than I just wanted to go experience and connect to my roots. I got seated right next to one of the biggest manufacturers in India. And he was a really cool young dude. And I ended up, and he ended up being from, 
Punjab as well. And we ended up connecting. We still are in touch and in contact. And I hope to bring manufacturing like that relationship over time. But, uh, you know, I learned a, a, a vast amount of information on the manufacturing capabilities of India through a guy that's just randomly seated right next to me. You, so. you never know who you're going to meet when you put yourself out there. A hundred percent. Like it's just as important to talk about what you're working on as you actually are working on things. Because if, yeah, and this is again, the Instagram thing, like if, if you don't put yourself out there where you can be seen, then you, you know, unfortunately may not ever get, you know, people may not take notice and you may not be able to really get the exposure you need to continue to grow. Right. So all these are essential steps in, you know, progressing collection two, you know, is, is, is going to be really exciting because you won't see manufacturing like this in Vancouver. Like we're working on some, like, you know, we're trying to be, you know, recognized as fashion, as a fashion label, uh, not just on a local basis, which is dope. Like, but you know, our aim isn't just to be like the Vancouver brand, you know, our aim is to make a global impact and through our design language really kind of shape the future of what, you know, fashion could be, yeah. um, with a cultural eye, of course considering your fashion is visible on the big screen and through something that is stretching across the world i think you're well on your way to that yeah you're clearly and doing a few things right for you're sure. doing you're doing a few things right i say that to a select few I say that to sing studios i think i speak for us both adam when i say that we can't wait to see where this goes collection two but also the ways that you're growing sing studios the ways that you're expanding it in a, in a contemporary way it shows not just hard hustle but smart hustle you're, Much appreciated, you're, bro. You're, you're thinking about this. And the fact that we've been able to have this conversation, have discourse with you at this stage, especially not knowing where this is going to be going in the future, I, I can't wait to see what happens in, in a year's time, even. That's a heck of a meal, man, at Music, Music in the, in the Kitchen. kitchen.